T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. How sweet. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, with today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. All right, day three, here we go, with Jeff uh, and myself, uh, Sparky, filling in for Gabe Kuhn, as you just heard big voice guys say uh, here on 92.9 92.9 FM ESPN. Jeff, first things first, I want to talk about uh, this thing going on over uh, at the Memphis campus, uh, this student madness, I guess they call it, from 4 until uh, 7 o'clock. Man, Penny Hardaway's got to be, I don't know, around my age. Maybe he's older than me, somewhere in that area. What happened to Midnight Madness? What happened to letting the students party a little bit before you go do something like this? This is like the middle of the day. Well, it's, it's uh, oh, I see. Why not do it at midnight? I, 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 the midnight thing used to be, does anyone do it at midnight anymore? Like, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like know a lot that of them anyone, got rid like, of there it. used to be, there used to be like, oh, that's the first moment you could practice. And so we'll practice and whatever. And then it became clear it was just a ceremonial party. And um, in Memphis, it, it is funny. Like I, I go back to the days of Larry Finch here, and I don't oh, yeah. particularly remember it being a big deal. But then it became a massive deal, and you know, with when Penny first got here, it was, um, you know, I mean, that's you, you had you had the, all the smoke, and you had uh, one you know rapper or another who was performing and. The, the first year, the second year, I guess. Well, probably the first year was Penny introduced as head coach. It was a big one, and then maybe even bigger the year that James Wiseman and that whole recruiting class came in, and people thought they were going to win a national championship, and it was crazy. And then, you know, it ebbs and flows. It, it, it is one of these deals that you just there's really nothing that happens. It's a little bit like the slam dunk contest. Right. And then after you've seen, you know, there's only so many things you can do. And um, and so it's a it's great fun and a bit whatever else. And then you realize, like, there's not really that much there there. And so uh, this year they they I think appropriately acknowledged that. And instead of trying to top themselves, just said, let's do something to try to generate some more student interest because at the University of Memphis the fan base isn't 
student driven. There's been a lot of complaints, you know, over uh, the students don't show up, the students don't show up. Well, the, the arena isn't on campus. There's a lot, you know, a lot of people at the University of Memphis are working while they go to school. It's just not that kind of a place where, you know, it's not Cameron Indoor, just in terms of the, you know, it's not right there on campus. The, the school isn't heavily, you know, almost like some schools, mostly residential. Um, and so um, so they're doing something for the students, and they're putting it on Marone Fieldhouse, and it begins shortly, and I gather all the student tickets are taken. And so, listen, I don't, I don't have any vast interest in it myself, but I think it's a perfectly fine way to undertake, uh, you know, Memphis Madness or whatever they're calling it, and uh, and a way to try to generate enthusiasm from the students. And you know, unlike unlike a quarter filled FedEx Forum, it'll be a fully filled Elmeron Fieldhouse, and so I think it's a perfectly respectable way to. Um, to do this. And I think if they were doing it midnight, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a nearly, you know, it, uh, you, you wouldn't have nearly as many folks there. So I, I think it's fine. Where, where is the student section in the basketball arena? It's in the end zone. It's in the end so zone. Um, so if they move that to the center and put them closer to the action in the middle and then had the, the rest of those seats be the season ticket holster holders and the boosters, do you think that would matter? I don't think it would draw more students. No, um, it's just it, it, it. If you're a student at the University of Memphis, you, you're you know you may or may not live on campus, but you don't it, it, go all the way downtown. For, it's just not that you know. No, I don't think the students to the extent that students don't go, and sometimes there is a robust student section, but I don't think the students who go or don't go are going or not going because the seats aren't good enough. I don't think that's it. And honestly, they're good seats. They're just not, uh, they're not sideline seats. And they have in past years, there have been times when the student section was elsewhere, was more central. There used to be this guy named David Toombs, who Memphis fans will recognize, who was sort of one of those, who was always there and was sort of leading the charge. And But no, it's just never, Memphis has, and I don't know whether this was true back when it was at the Mid-South Coliseum, which was before my time. But since I've been here, which was started in 96, there has always been a struggle, no matter where they put it, to get the students. It's the nature of the college. It's the nature of the place. There, you, have a, you have older students. You have uh, working students. You have non-residential students. You have, and then the arena isn't right there on campus. And so it's just the nature of, 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 of the way it works. And it, it's be- fine. The truth of the matter is, is that the University of Memphis Compared to most basketball programs around the country, and I don't know exactly where it ranked last year. You could you kind of could look it up, but it's in the certainly in the top ten percent, probably in the top five percent of attendance. Like it is a wildly successful um, in terms of drawing crowds, and uh, it is a wildly successful basketball program, much more so than almost you know any other. There are you, you can name ten that do do more probably, or five that, that draw better. I mean, University of North Carolina draws better, and Kentucky draws better, and lately Tennessee has drawn better. But there's not that many. Honestly, mostly most people would even think about playing in an eighteen thousand seat arena. Um, you know, they, they, they college college arenas now they're they're trying to scale them down. They're making them twelve or ten or something like that, and then they struggle to fill those up. Well. If you had a 10,000 or a 12,000 seat arena, which would be perfect for the University of Memphis, it would be packed every, you know, uh, it would be, it would look packed every night. 
they happen to play in an 18,000 seat arena. And so it, 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 but even then it's, they draw very well. Um, they don't draw as well as they did in the heyday. And I maintain that's because, um, you know, they were once the major league team in town and now the Grizzlies have taken that. Right. But relative to most basketball programs, they do exceedingly well. You brought up the Grizzlies, and we talked about this a a little bit earlier in the show because uh, talking about home court advantage and just how big of a deal is it really in the NBA, right? I mean, you could make an argument that in the NFL, it's probably where uh, the crowd has the biggest effect probably on the game uh, is in football, whether it be the NFL or college to a certain degree. Uh, In baseball, maybe it has more to do with the dynamics of the field of where you play, that's how you kind of base your team if you're in a home run park or if you're in Colorado with the Rockies. You know, everything is built around your field where you play half your game. So maybe home field is more of a big deal in that situation. I just, I struggle with home court being such a big deal uh, in the NBA because to be honest with you, I just don't think these crowds really can affect games as much as they can in some of these other sports. Uh, and the Grizzlies obviously were the two seed. They know what home court is all about. They've been the home court team the last couple of years. It hasn't necessarily worked out for numerous reasons, uh, but I just think sometimes NBA fans get all worked up about having to have home court, and I don't think it's a big deal. What about you? Well, um, it's been interesting here, because sometimes it works one way. Last year, the Grizzlies' road record was god-awful. Um, I, I don't I don't have it in front of me. I'm in the car, but if you look up their road record, it was atrocious. Um, they were dramatically better at home than they were on the road. Um, now, the truth of the matter is that may have less to do with the, uh, the, the the way a crowd can influence a game. And I think a crowd can influence a game. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. Um, but I think it's obviously preferable to have home court. Why wouldn't you want it? Um, but what was interesting for the Grizzlies last year is how dramatically much better they were at home than yeah, on the road. Yeah, they were 35 and 6 at home, 16 and 25 on the road. So there you go. So that belies the theory. But the, 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 the argument may be, though, that that had less to do with, um, with the atmosphere at home, although it's a damn good atmosphere at FedEx Farm, particularly in the playoffs, than it did with the way they comported themselves on the road. And, um, you know, and that gets us back to John Morant, and it gets us back to the story that Stephen Adams um, you know, address the team and said they have to be more serious and have a seriousness of purpose when they're on the road. Um, and so who knows exactly what they were up to? Well, we know some nights what they were up to on the road because we, uh, we saw pictures from Denver, uh, what John was up to one night on the road. But um, very clearly for the Grizzlies last year anyway, they were dramatically, dramatically better at home than on the road. Now, you know, again, I, I still say, like yesterday when you asked me what the goal is this year, um, I still think the, 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 the goal really is to avoid the play-in. And, um, and, 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 and if that means you're fifth as opposed to fourth or sixth as opposed to, like, whatever, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think it's possible to, to win um, – you know, to, to, to win a series when you certainly when you don't have home court advantage, but sure, it's preferable. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine I don't have it in front of me, but I imagine the numbers are pretty easily accessible about what percentage of a home team wins in the NFL versus Major League Baseball versus sure. uh, versus the NBA. I don't know 
the answer to that. What what you know what the numbers will tell you one sport more more than another. People are right on top of you in, in the NBA. I'll say that you know, and college basketball very clearly it, it's it is it is a significant difference. Another thing we talked about uh, a little bit is James Harden uh, reports the uh, camp now for the 76ers. Sixers, uh, and we were doing this uh, overreaction uh, or underreaction, whatever you want to call it, uh, at the beginning of the show that like they normally do. And the statement was James Harden will be out of the NBA uh, within five years. Uh, would you agree with that statement? Do you think that's possible or no? Five, yes. Yeah, how old is he? Five, yes, five. But two, no. But sure, he'll be out the in, in the end five years. How old is James Harden? Thirty-four. Yeah, sure. I don't. He, I, he James Harden is not a guy who uh, seems to. His body is not a temple. <laughs> like, oh, let's be honest. His no. body is his, his body is no. a strip joint, right? His body is not a temple. <laughs> his body is a strip joint. Yeah. So, I think that uh, that James Harden will be out of the league in five years. But I'd say I don't think that should be. If you were to set the over under, I'd set it at three and a half years. You know, and and then I think it's questionable. But five years. James Harden playing at 39 and 40? No, I don't see it. Now he'll be he could still knock down shots. One of the interesting things to me, and by the way, happy birthday to Derrick Rose. It's his birthday today. Oh, one happy birthday. Things, one of the interesting things is, is that, and how would you, like if you were once a superstar, um, and all of a sudden you were no longer a superstar and you were playing for the minimum or coming off the bench or whatever. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Would you keep playing or would you hang it up? And there are very clearly, like if you ask me, like right now, if, if I reported to radio tomorrow and Brad said, you know what, Jeff? We've enjoyed you on the radio, but we were going to make this the Jeffrey Wright show and you can be his producer and uh, we're going to cut your pay, uh, you know, to a, a quarter of what it was. And um, but listen, keep showing up and be a good team guy. At that point, I'd say it's been a good run. You know, right. I'd say I've, it's been a good run, but thank you. But no, thank you. I think I'll uh, I think I'll put my toes up. And I, I'm and I, by the way, this is newsflash. I don't have as much money as James Harden or right. as Derrick Rose or as any of those folks. And I would right. still at that point, I would say, no, thank you. It is interesting to me that Derrick Rose, that's one of the fascinating things, like that Derrick Rose is still doing this, is still playing, is still, you know, interested. Like last year for the Knicks, he didn't barely play at all. He did play a little bit, but he really didn't play at all. He was healthy and didn't play at all. Vince Carter was very happy when he came here. Vince Carter, who was once a transcendent superstar, um, was happy to come here as a role player. Allen Iverson, when he came, when he came here, when he learned he was not going to be featured, he quit. You know, they, they, that was that. He didn't, he didn't have any interest in doing it. I don't see James Harden. I see him more, and maybe this is unfair. 
but I see him more in the Allen Iverson mold than in the Vince Carter uh, mold. And so I don't think he'll be being a bit player someday, just hitting shots off the bench. Would you yourself, Sparky, hit shots off the bench or be happy to just be a producer or whatever? Not, 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 not that there's anything wrong with that, but as you make your way in your career, I think most of us have, and I'm, maybe I'm telling on myself, enough of an ego that at some point, you know, if you go from being a vice president of FedEx to working in the, in the hub slinging packages, I think you'd just say, you know, no, thank you. You know, it, on the way up, you might be happy to sling packages, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I have seen it go the way you're saying in radio, and I've seen people stay. Uh, now, again, they were younger, where they go from, you know, hosting a, a weekend show to being told you're no longer doing that, you're just going to produce now going forward. And, again, they're in their 20s, okay, fine. But what you're talking about here is later in life, you've established yourself, you've made the money, uh, and now you don't have to work anymore if you choose not to, and then you choose not to. My reasoning for James Harden not being in the NBA in five years was not his age. What you're talking about, my reason is, I think this act is wearing old across the NBA circles. And there was a podcast the other day with KG, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, uh, and they were talking about the fact that you can only wiggle so many times before the rest of the league says, we're good. Like, we don't want to deal with this anymore. And their point was he's, he's wiggled probably as much as he's going to be able to wiggle getting out of stuff. Uh, and he, he's probably got one more opportunity here, and that might be it. And so if he ends up with the Clippers or wherever he ends up with in a trade here at some point, because he's going to do everything in his power to hack off Nick Nurse to get out of there, uh, when that happens, if if he decides after you know next year that he doesn't want to be there, there might not be another team that even wants to deal with him going forward. Well, I, I uh, 100% agree with that. And in part, if you look at it, how has it been to be in the James Harden business? Like, how have, how have the teams that have been in the James Harden business, like, how did it work out? for the Nets? How has it worked out for the Sixers? Ultimately, how did it work out for the Rockets? As he's not, it, The Rockets had obviously some, you know, a bunch of good years with right. him. But being, it's one thing, if you are in the James Harden business and as a consequence of that, you're, you know, you're winning NBA titles, you're getting to the NBA finals, he's clutch in the, in the playoffs, and because of that, you're willing to put up with his ass that's one thing. But even at his zenith, James Harden has not been able to deliver significant, anything significant in the way of real postseason right. success. Yep. And as his, as his skills diminish, it's not usually normal, sadly, that people's egos diminish along with their skills, right? right? And so I suspect his ego will remain large and his skills will diminish. And... It's not even like, yes, people are tired. It will grow tired of it, but a lot of it will just be like, they, they wouldn't, they'd put up with it if he delivered, right? If he was still awesome and if he won in the, in the playoffs, then, then, then actually you can continue to be a jackass time and time and time again, I think, right? If you're, if you're delivering titles or delivering, but he doesn't. And that will increasingly, um, you know, it seems to me that, that he'll deliver less and less. So I agree with that, too. I think for all these reasons, um, A, his body's a strip joint. B, people won't put up with his S. And C, he's not the kind of guy who, has, who wants to be just a, a role player coming off the bench. I think he'll absolutely be out of the league in five years. I know you got a role, uh, but uh, our, our 
fine producer, Connor, is like, dude, you got to talk about cookout. I, I don't have cookout where I live. Uh, so what? what is well, this place what, called what cookout? What happened was Connor texted me and said, is there anything you want to talk about? And, of course, by the time I get to this to 5 o'clock, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about anything. But I didn't have sure. anything pressing I needed to talk about. But it did so happen that I went to cookout. Now, cookout is its own phenomenon. And it is, I, I, I'm not too good for fast food. Uh, I should be, but um, I like fast food. I'll eat any kind of fast food. But I really hadn't been to cookout. And cookout, so there's one on Highland. Uh, is it a chain? What? It is a chain. Is a, yeah, but it's it mostly a, a southern chain. There's a story, where was it, in the Atlantic recently about cookout. And the thing about cookout is, yes, it's a chain, but I think it's mostly a southern chain. And it's, um, it's, you get this vast volume of food for cheap. And what's weird about it is, and I think this is what threw me off. I once there once, once before, and I just didn't understand the menu. I didn't know that, like it was too, so you ordered, I ordered like the four piece meal or something. And so then you say, well, your main course, and you got a choice of a, a taco or a cheeseburger or a, or a chicken sandwich or a spicy chicken, like all the right. stuff that the main on. So, then it says sides, and you're thinking, okay, what do I want? And the choices for sides are things like, yes, they have fries and onion rings and whatever, but the sides, quesadilla, walking taco. What? Uh, there's probably another cheese, but, like, I got, and so I'm like, these are my sides? I get, I got two sides and a main course, and my main course was I got the spicy chicken sandwich, and then my quote-unquote sides were a quesadilla, and a walking taco, and and I ate all that. I ate, I, I'm not I'm not above saying that I ate all of that. But they took those things. I've never had a quesadilla and a walking taco that were sides before. Kind of, do you understand how the things work? Oh, I, I very much understand how this works. I am a I am well, a cookout much, veteran. So what, how much did that cost? At, like twenty is, bucks? And it's nothing. No, it's no, like no, five, it's like ten dollars if that. Like seven dollars. Yeah. Dollars. <laughs> What? Oh yeah, it's a value meal with 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 these sides. It was I think it was seven something. It was oh, not eight. I know it wasn't eight. So Connor, what do you get at cookout? So what's the typical I, I, order? My relationship with cookout started when I went to the, to Tennessee for my first two years in college because the one on Highland got built after I graduated. So right. I, I was not I did not have my drunk es- escapades at that cookout necessarily I but i wasn't drunk when i went here no 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 you it's, 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 this is just my experience i i'm gonna be quite honest i don't think i've ever had cookout sober i don't i don't think i've ever had it because it's off it's on. it was on the strip in knoxville so after game days we would go down there and many of fights happened there but my go-to order was the spicy chicken sandwich so you chose well and then i would usually go with the quesadilla the corn dog or the chicken nuggets as my side and then of course i would get a milkshake as the drink yeah, I felt bad that I didn't do that. That was a that was too far. Like on the order of drink was a milkshake. I could have gotten a milkshake as the drink. But see, Sparky, here's the thing: the sides that he I just identified were a corn dog and chicken nuggets. Those aren't sides. Those are no, entrees. They're, they're sides in heaven, are is where they are. As sides, it's crazy. I don't know how they make money. I don't understand how they make money. Three entrees, and they call them sides. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's it's the craziest thing ever. But it, I want, it was yeah, somebody needs to explain how they're making money. That and that's what actually, I don't understand. It was actually decent. Like it wasn't Chick Fil A, you know, at its zenith right. quality. But yeah. it was decent. It wasn't like I didn't. 
I didn't feel embarrassed. Well, here I am talking about it on the radio, so clearly so you're I didn't gonna feel go back. eating. I did eat all of it. Like I, it, but then the question is, is if you have in front of you a chicken sandwich, a quesadilla, and a walking taco, which is like it was a Doritos bag with chili and cheese and stuff, oh, in it, right? Delicious. What's the what's the appropriate order? Like, which is the hors d'oeuvre? Like, what's the what do you what do you eat first oh, in that walking taco? I think that's yeah. the correct thing. I didn't. Yeah. I ate the chicken. I ate them just the. I ate the chicken sandwich, then the quesadilla, and then I'm driving along. I'm just a terrible human being. I drove. Was driving along with my fork and my uh, Doritos bag, stabbing in there and eating chili uh, from the. I, walking taco is delicious. Let's be honest. It's delicious. While you're, absolutely. But while you're driving, you're lucky to get while chili all over your shirt. Here, here's one. Jeffrey, by the way, the other day, he said this is a new one. Jeffrey, right? He looked over, and there was a guy in his Lex, in his uh, in his Tesla, and he was eating soup as he was. He saw him at the stop sign. He pulled up next to him, and the guy literally had a bowl and a spoon, and he was eating soup in the like. I'll eat almost anything driving, but eating soup, and I guess you know Tesla's sort of self-drive, so you can. I guess you can eat soup. Maybe it should be a Tesla commercial, eating yes. soup while you're driving your Tesla. That was a new one on me. But I guess in a way, a walking taco is not that distant. It's not as quite as as extreme as eating soup in your car, but it's it's moving closer to that family than than eating a burger, for example. Um, for sure, yes, yeah. Anyway, I don't think that I was my great adventure today. And uh, will you, know, you go back? Something every day. What? Will you go? Will back? I go back? Sure. Yeah. Not yeah. not today. <laughs> well, no, 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 not today. But the next time you go I, back, you got to get the shake. I, I've I've reached the point. Oh, the shake. If I'm eating a fast food meal, I don't get the shake. I can't. I can't I'm 62. I can't also get the shake. I can get a, if I get a shake. It's the only thing I'm getting. You only live once. You only thousand, live once. Yes, but it, that that life that you lead will be very short if you always get the shake. And so, I the shake is nine hundred calories probably by itself. Right? It's it's I'll actually wait. I'm staring at it right now. It's nine hundred calories, and I can tell you they're thick. <laughs> they're thick milkshakes. Yeah, that's like that. You can't get the shake. How many calories did you have the whole menu there? How many calories did I eat with my quesadilla, my walking taco, and my chicken sandwich? So quesadilla was two sixty. It doesn't. I don't see the walking taco on here, but the chicken sandwich was four fifty. So you you probably got close to about nine hundo. <laughs> see, yeah, and then if sure. you add the shake on top of it, then you're at eighteen hundred, and then you just have no. You're done. You're done. You're, you're ruined. Right. <laughs> I love anyway. it. This is so much fun. I'm so glad we talked about this. Hey, thanks so much, uh, Jeff, for coming out. We will we'll do this again tomorrow, and, and more cookout talk maybe tomorrow morning from nine to eleven. You got to check it out. Uh, here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Thanks so much, man. Have a good rest of your day. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.